Yeah. Talking about the five cent pieces left in my ashtray. Yeah. At least you got five cent pieces, big fella. 20% growth, eh? Hot roller. Who's had 20% growth? Probably. What's your house worth now? You know what's actually about? Uh, I didn't answer the question. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. You're listening to the All Talk Car Podcast, hosted by Peter Ronas. Joining me tonight is Halil Mustafa. Evening. That's where you say hello. <laughs> I did. We're over 100 episodes, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100, 120. Yeah. 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 And Ross Galetis. G'day, mate. G'day. What's going on? And we've got a guest tonight. Now that Australia's sort of opening up, it's probably easier to go overseas, but we've got a guest. He's been on the show before where he uh, bought himself, not a Land Cruiser, but something similar, and drove around this beautiful country of ours. He's going to tell us the do's and don'ts and, and what to look out for. Andrew Smyrnas, welcome to the podcast, buddy. G'day, all. Good to be back again. Live from sunny Gold Coast. Yep, up on the Goldie. You said not a Land Cruiser, Pete. He didn't buy you. No, we did the live drive, listeners, if you remember, a couple of oh, six months ago. How long How long ago we did the live drive? I was in the car. Oh, I, don't to, I don't listen to the model. You don't, yeah, the Defender. We, we drove... Six, seven months, yeah. Yeah. So um, Andrew bought himself a new uh, Defender, 110, petrol. Uh, yes, petrol. 400 SE, sorry. How did it hold up? Oh, you want to go straight to the climax? Oh, mate. Yeah. You know, well, mate, you know, better than a Range Rover. No you, know, you know my love affair with Land Rovers. I'm going to apologise in advance. For those that know me, I don't have a great track record with Land Rover, uh, the car the car, or the company. So, yeah. So basically, yeah. So when, when I met up with Andrew last, we uh, the, the car had next to no kilometres. We took it out for a drive, did a live drive on it. And then you packed your bags with, with the missus. And where did you go, mate? Peter, the, uh, we thought we'd give the car a bit of a test drive down around Tasmania before we did the big lap. Some cold testing. <laughs> yeah. So we uh, went to Tasmania for three weeks, did the, the, the normal, drove down to Melbourne, got the spirit of Tasmania over, landed in Lonnie, that's the logo for Launceston, and uh, did three weeks cruising Tasmania, never been there before, on a holiday sort of basis. Absolutely fantastic island must be done by everyone Australian or otherwise and you've got to allow yourself at least two weeks but preferably three weeks. Are the roads that good around the island? They are fantastic for a car. I've got friends that say to me they want to go down with a caravan and I've told them no don't. Mm. It's a very mountainous mountainous, uh, island and uh, limited space for overtaking, limited space if you break down and want to pull over to the side of the road. It's just not caravan or trailer friendly at all. So it's basically your, your classic two-lane snake-type roads. Yeah. And like Greece. Yeah, like, <laughs> like Greece. Greek islands. But it, it's just such a... There's so many variables in terms of climate and weather. The east coast is like the Gold Coast, sand, sea, seafood restaurants, everyone's in shorts. Then you head down to Hobart, more cosmopolitan. Then when you go into the middle of Tasmania, we copped snow, uh, snow up past the uh, the headlights. And then you go to the west coast, which is really rugged, wind, cold, lots of wind blowing the car sort of around, um, really sort of treacherous conditions. But the Defender, Ross, you'll love the Defender, if I had 
planes on the side of the car, I reckon I could go, I could cross Bass Strait with it. It was just undestructible. It was just brilliant. I was overtaking cars bogged in snow, and I didn't even put the specific snow option. I just had it in four-wheel drive, raised the height of the car to its max, and I was I was overtaking on soft snow, doing 60 and 70 Ks. Just incredible. Wow. Full grip? Yep, full grip. Oh, look, there's a bit of slip inside of the rear end, you know, but you sort of catch it. It wasn't unpredictable. So they really they really are engineered for full. I mean, they, they you know, all the shit that I give Land Rover, but they, they, they are really built. You know, they're the original four-wheel drive, right? Well, well Ross, the features this thing had, I mean, if, if you listen back on that podcast... Yeah, I listened to it. Listened the to display... It. The display did everything. It had wading through water. It had, I know it's all sort of getting commonplace, but it's the first time I went into a vehicle where they had the camera as if the camera was a meter away from the car. So you had that sort of fisheye look. Uh, and if you put it in four wheel drive mode, you could see exactly where your front tires were compared to the edge of the road or rocks or That's boulders. Cool. It was. Um, did you use a lot of those features? Did you use the features? Yeah, Drew. The cameras I did. Um, we went off-road a fair bit um, to in the rainforest and stuff like that. And like Pete said, the, the forward camera basically um, is positioned where your front wheels are. So you can come up and over a, a, a ridge and you don't need to really worry about is the road going to go straight ahead or is it going to turn left or right. The cameras will see that for you. So you can you know recline your seat almost to a flat position and just look at your dashboard and not worry about looking over the bottom of the car. It just is so reassuring, you know. You feel so safe in it. The parking, the 360-degree sort of um, visual sort of feel you get of the car, quiet, fuel-efficient, really comfortable. That's the other thing, of course, that when you're doing long trips, you've got to be comfortable and you've got to get out of the car at the end of the drive and feel like you can, you know, go to the beach and have a swim for argument's sake. It's not a – you don't get tired in it. Did you hose out the rubber mats? Like, did you? <laughs> they have a Don't they have a? Haven't they got like a valve in them where you can just like a like a bath plug and you can hose the car out and pull the plug out? Is it, am I thinking of a different car? A different car. Uh, <laughs> you can you can you can you can install. You can I install tried that in my Range Rover Sport. That's what maybe that, that's yeah, what it was. You, you can install a little compressor in the back in the uh, back section of the car, which you can then plug in one of the um, little uh, air valve thing and you blow it out. But the car, uh, Peter would remember, everything is, the, 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 the floors are built with rubber and rubber mats, so you can literally just hose it out and not get anything wet that will then smell or cause you grief. But after Tasmania and the sort of three weeks we did there, we then geared up for uh, the big lap and a couple of things. I was worried I was going to get dust in the car. I thought, you know, if anywhere, if I, if, if you're going to test the windows out, closed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're going to test anything out, you drive through, you know, the red dust of the red centre. Yeah. Nothing. It was just brilliant, you know, like no dust other than a little bit of a line on the bottom of the door jam, but it was so well dust proof it wasn't funny. Really? Oh, magic. So the seals worked, other than keeping a ball on their nose. <laughs> Yeah, they would. And did you tow a caravan or you just went? No. Just, just, no, just no. the car. So we're just sleeping yeah. on the roof. <laughs> no, no. Um, plenty of motels, guys, out there. Okay. You can do it comfortably without having to tow a caravan around. And there's plenty of good motels, pubs, all have accommodation. Yeah. 
plenty of service stations. We did a lot of uh, mapping before the event, looking at where the you know good servos were with a 98 octane or whatever you want to use. And yep. uh, never, ever did we sort of feel in trouble with running out of fuel. In terms of the Defender, I was getting, you know, eight and a half, nine litres per 100 Ks. On a petrol car? Yeah, That's pretty good. Great, great economy. Um, in a brick? Yeah, yeah. We were just crossing rivers where land cruisers were sort of crawling through them. You know, we were just sort of waiting for them to get up the other side, and I just sort of powered through them, taking great videos. Uh, driving through uh, flowing rivers. It was just uh, really, really secure and, and great. Did you use the waiting? Did you use the waiting thing on the no. dash? No, I never got in deep that deep. Oh. You know. <laughs> well, give it to me, I'll find a room deep enough. We'll give it a go. Because, let me go back a step. So with the planning, like, did you do much planning? Because I know some servos out that way don't have premium fuel. Do, is that an issue anymore? Did you see which ones were 24-hour? Did you book accommodation in advance? What, what what tips would you give if you were to sort of go out to the Never Never land? Peter, we spent about two months, I spent about two months doing all that. Um, there's so many people out and about now, you can't just rock into any town and say, here I am, I need a room for the night. Everything is absolutely booked solid and there's a lot of towns where there's only the one hotel with accommodation attached to or service station with a motel attached to it and you know we were talking to people in the road who were you know just begging us if you're not going to get there let me know and we'll sort of ring and take your sort of night's accommodation very 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 busy out there everyone's you know doing their touring of this great country so you've got to do your research you've got to make your hotel accommodation bookings you've got to be book your cruises and your tours wherever you want to go, because um, they're all book solid. Did you, when you're out there, and talk about some of the other cars, I've, I've had a friend about a year ago, took a year off and got a caravan and bought the, you know, the uh, stereotypical Land Cruiser and got the big caravan and did it with his family. And he was saying there was a lot of Land Cruisers out there. Is that, is that the car of choice for everyone? Because it's just, it's just embedded in everyone's head or it's just, yes. it's just a mix of everything like old Magnus and whatever out on the, out on the nullable. <laughs> Pushback. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, Land Cruisers, Prados, definitely uh, the majority of them, which which was great for, for me and the Defender because everyone was stopping and having a look at it because it was yeah, okay. different. And it's relatively uh, a new, new car, yeah. right? So not many people would have, I suppose, but, taken a car of that value as well and just Ross, schlepped it across the country. <laughs> what, I, what I found, Ross, um, is that when you're towing a caravan and a lot of the caravans out there are big, you know, three, four, five, six metre caravans. Mm. If And there's some roads where, you you know, you've got to have the power to overtake the vehicle in front of you. And there'd be often, I mean, I'd be overtaking safely, mm-hmm. two and three car caravan combos with this thing just planting it down, right lane overtake them, but no one else could do that towing because to build up the momentum to get out and to start overtaking with no one coming the other way that's going to cause you grief is almost impossible. So you tend to find if you've got a caravan and you're towing one, you've got to be super, super patient and expect never to be doing the speed limit because the guys in front of you aren't. Yeah, okay. So it's quite frustrating if you're sort of saying, well, I'm going to drive the 600Ks because I've got a hotel that I've booked to get into. It might take you instead of six hours, it might take you nine and a half. Wow. It really does frustrate traffic. 
and the overtaking abilities. For, I mean, I used to see people trying to pull out, and you think, where's this bloke going? And he'd be three quarters up against the car that he was going to overtake. Then you'd see a semi coming the other way, you know? Oh. And so I'd drop back and then let them sort of cut back in. And it's just really dodgy. And I don't think a lot of people have any clue about the weight they're pulling, mm. the non-aerodynamics and the fuel consumption. Pete, you're asking about fuel. We'd pull into service stations and for the diesel, there'd be a line half a kilometre long <laughs> car and car. Oh, yeah, we, true. We, we just rock into the unleaded, fuel up, and we'd be out of there, and there'd be still people lined up to get in there. I was going to ask you, I mean, you planned the trip. You bought the car specifically to do this trip. Yep. Did diesel versus petrol come into the equation, or was it whatever was available with the Defender? Um, with the Defender, because I'd done the homework and I knew there were going to be adequate fuel stops along the way with unleaded, and I wasn't towing anything to increase my fuel consumption. I was always happy with that car. And when I bought that, the only diesel that was on offer was the two-litre diesel, which I thought might have been underpowered even without towing a caravan. Okay. So for me, the, the straight six um, leaded, unleaded was always the go. But, you know, they're the little tricks, you know, that people might want to think about putting an extra fuel tank on their... Uh, on their Land Cruiser so that you can miss every second fuel stop. But be patient because you're stuck on the side of the road waiting your turn to get in there. It can be quite frustrating. Did the Defender have an option for like an extended range tanks? When, they, did, but, uh, they did, but um, it was, again, get it out from England and all this sort of stuff. Oh, yeah, no, it. no, but not for you for, for this occasion, yeah. but they've got yeah. that option. Yeah. I think it was a 40-litre tank they could add on the other side. Okay. Um, but, yeah, you've got to, you know, people that just go out there and buy a $100,000 caravan and say, I'll bung it on the back of the Land Cruiser and off I go. There's a, there's a lot. <laughs> the, the, were they courteous? Got... Did they let you overtake? Well, no one gave a shit. They just sat on 100. The Fantastic. They're all great on the roads, all okay. waving to you. Yeah, no dramas at all. No one's a cowboy. Um, you know, no, they're really, really polite, friendly and you see him at the servos and you have a chat anyway. So yeah. you can't be a dickhead, you know, because I'll catch up to you. Yeah. But no, very friendly environment. But, you know, some of the caravan spots, people say, if you go to the Sundays, for example, fantastic caravan parking spots in great areas. But the further north you travel, the caravan parking areas are pretty desolate, you know, mm. uninviting places. Mm. Um, the showers? Yeah, no, some not. You know, you've got to be really committed to say, I'm going to go, yeah, yeah, go around <laughs> Australia and, and, you know, make it a comfortable trip as well as an enjoyable one. Yeah. I did, so did you go, did you, did you go fairly remote? Like, were you yes. in, were you in towns? I mean, did you get to, I don't know, Cooper PD? Did you go, uh, did you get, did you get sort of around all that kind of stuff or was it pretty much? Yeah. We, we didn't go to Cooper Peter because we avoided the lockdown and, and drove back to um, Brisbane. Yeah. Um, but uh, Darwin, Kakadu, the other sort of uh, rainforest and that you go to, we did a lot of those guided tours and then we'd go back and revisit the areas that we liked. Yeah, awesome. Um, Alice Springs, Uluru, the Algas or... Catajuke or whatever they call it, you know, there's... It's pretty amazing out there, isn't it? Oh, it's just incredible. Yeah. 
you need a four-wheel drive to be up high off the road to yeah. view the landscape and really get a good feel of the terrain. Fantastic. Good so the four-wheel drive is not, it's not, you're not doing hardcore off-road. It's more, um, you're not on a tarred road. It's unsealed. So you need, what, that clearance? Is that well, where the benefit though, comes in? Uh, yeah, there are. It, it's funny, you know, I think the road maps that we have need to be updated. Um, an example was from uh, Uluru going back to uh, Alice Springs, there's a historical Aboriginal town called Hermansburg. So instead of going back to Alice the way that we came, we thought we'd go by Hermansburg. Now, on the maps, it looked like a sealed road. And I'm talking about 180 kilometres. It was just dust, red dust. And there were a couple of people trying it in normal cars, and they couldn't see past their nose on their face. Uh, you'd have to, you know, back off a kilometre from the car ahead of you to let the dust settle. Mm. Um, but uh, we were warned, I was warned about this by one of the tour guides. There's all these um, dips in the road where the rain runs off. So you're driving along at 80 or 90 kilometres an hour and then the car just dips in, it goes down <laughs> and up. And you're on two wheels as you come up the other side because you're doing 80 or 90 k's. Awesome. And then it just lands on all fours as you come down. I don't know how small sedans would do that. I don't know how anyone, a trailer or caravan, would, would manage that. They'd probably do it at 50 k's. <laughs> yeah, probably. But can, you can't see it coming. It's just all red. Yep. That's exciting. It's like playing a video game. Oh. <laughs> all Russian roulette. Um, <laughs> Pete, we've got to get it. Can we borrow your land? Can we borrow your car? <laughs> Pete don't want to go to Australia. <laughs> But some of those areas were scary. You know, there's, there's signs up. It's no longer a case of, um, you know, beware of kangaroos. It's beware of um, cattle, beware of camels. Shit. I mean, everything's sort of potentially, yeah. <laughs> everything's potentially coming at you. So you've got to have time, but you can't really be pressured. I think time, you know, the pressure of getting from A to B on a deadline is, is quite... Um, because yeah, things things change, right? Like you said, your six-hour drive could become nine hours because exactly. of traffic or could there could be something happening on the road. or Because exactly. they're country towns, they, they don't have like 24-hour check-in. It's not like no. the Hilton in the city where there's always someone at the door. and Yeah, 2 p.m. and they're gone. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if you're there after 2 p.m., you know, there's the code for the night safe and, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. business and off you go. But what we also found, something to think about, and I think it'll continue moving forward, there's shorter staff everywhere. There's no, um, you know, backpacking type people that fill all these barista type jobs in the cafes and waitresses. We stayed at this place called Sales in the Desert in Alice Springs, in Illaroo, sorry, there's Rock. And two of the four restaurants were closed because they didn't have staff to run them. So everywhere we went, there was shortage of staff and a lot of venues weren't open. Is Uluru open? Can you still go no, there? What's the story? Not. Apparently you can't climb it. I've climbed it twice. Really? Yeah, Mate, I've, done, I've, I've done the outback twice, but I, I, um, you can't. I think a couple of years ago. Is there a ago. vending machine at the top? Uh, <laughs> it's, that, no, that was the joke we had the first time we went. <laughs> I took a $2 coin or $1 coin at the time. I take my head off to Ross if you climbed it, mate. That's a steep climb. Twice. I've done it twice. Yeah. When I was at school. I did it in year eight, year nine, yeah. I think I think they closed it after somebody had a heart attack on the climb up yeah. and they had to get a helicopter to uh, watch or, them. Or, 
I mean, I was young. I think I was about 14, 15. But all I remember it was a school trip. There would have been three busloads of us. Hang and on. We did Your school two, excursion was to Uluru. We did, yeah. Not to we the did local two, pools. Two, yeah, two years in a row, we did uh, Central Australia trip. So we'd left Sydney, went on a bus or three buses. Sydney through Victoria, South Australia, then back straight up through the middle. Did Alice Springs. And we literally, we would stop on the side of the road and tent, sleep, cook, keep going. But, you know, the bus driver and the assistant with the cooks and the bus driver and whatever, and then keep going. And we ended up in um, Darwin and then flew home two weeks. Then I did it again the year after. But I remember the first year climbing. And I'm a, I'm a big, big guy. And I was back then as well. But I remember the first year we climbed it, that first sort of 50 metres is, is you would have seen where yeah. it works. It, it was, yeah. it's, it's just a thin, long, it's, it's pretty treacherous. And, and that's where, you know, there's, there's little plaques down the bottom where people have fallen off. And they're like, all right, kids, come on, let's go. Up yeah. we go the hill. And you're like, shit, really? They did tell me there was a Coke machine at the top. <laughs> I don't know where you got that joke from, but it was it was a running thing the whole time. I had these coins ready to go. I was, I was going to get three Cokes. Not <laughs> the there, no fucking bottle of water. That was it. Not even. And they got the disabled entrance with the elevator. Is that still open? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Straight through the middle. That's so, a magical spot. You know, you see the rock from about, I took a photo of about 140 k's away from it. Oh, wow. It's beautiful, you isn't it? almost reach out and touch it, you know. It's just a magical, very, very significant sort of part of our country. Um, and it draws you to it. It really sort of makes you want to just go and see what it is. And when you get there, you get Ross, it's just so huge. Yeah. It's yeah. humongous, you know. Yeah. I, I got to the top of it thinking it was going to be flat. Yeah, no, just, it, it was definitely not flat. Yeah. And is it like you can see it? Oh, we're going to be there in ten minutes, and then you're still like driving. Well, you're going to be there. In oh, we're going to be there in half an hour, and you can yeah, still and you're see still it. Still going. 140 k's out, and you thought it was sort of like you know 50 meters away from you. Yeah. And how wide? How wide is it? Um, don't know, but it, it's. I think it's 11 kilometers to walk it. Yeah. To walk to the top. No, all the way around. All the way around. Oh, like the circumference. So if you drive did, around did, and walk yeah. it, it's 11 k's. Did yeah. you um? Did you stop? I remember mean, my, my fondest memories, and they were a long time ago, but just, just stopping on the side of the road or stopping at sort of some of those watering holes where they were just like just those springs that were perfectly clear and, you know, you're yep. swimming in there and the, and, the, and the locals are like, oh, you know, don't swim on that side of the road because this is fresh water and that's salt water and the saltwater crocodiles will eat you and the freshwater yeah. ones, you know, you're sitting there going, do I trust this bloke? But, you know, no one got eaten. So um, it was it was pretty pretty amazing. Yeah, no, that was uh, up around Darwin and that um, magic sort of uh, areas to get to up there. Life Crocs, Adelaide River, all those sort of places. Yeah, nice. um, but with with Uluru, I, I, it's funny, you know, us old blokes still call it Ayers Rock, but Uluru and Olga's instead of Katajuku. I just wish I had seen a lot more of the Indigenous people playing a greater role in the whole experience. Yeah. Instead of having sort of, uh, you know, a non-Indigenous person explaining parts of it to us, I would have loved to have had an Indigenous person sharing their history and their uh, significance of the uh, of the site. So, yeah, that was a... They, they definitely know a lot out there. It's, it's quite... Um... It's quite amazing how um, knowledgeable they are of, the, of everything around. So, um, I know. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's quite a... Andrew and I have travelled a lot of America. We do the SEMA tours together. And is it is it a setup with the Indigenous people in Australia? Is it like when we go to Grand Canyon where the Indigenous Americans, where the American Indians are, are running the no. tourist attractions and no. that sort of self-contained? Is it like that up at Northern Territory? Yes and no. More no than yes, okay. unfortunately. 
I mean, we saw a lot of Indigenous people in in Uluru out selling their paintings and their you know didgeridoos as opposed to talking to us and telling us about the dream time and that. So I just would have loved a lot more of that, a lot more involvement. And in Darwin, you know, the big thing, of course, there is the World War Two aspects of Darwin. All that is done by the, you know, descendants of people that probably lived through through that. Would have loved a bit more of that. Is Darwin you know. fairly new? Because they had the, the cyclone in 1975, nah. wasn't it? Which wiped the whole town off the map. Does it look modern? It does. There are All the waterfronts are all modern. All, okay. Everything is sort of uh, cyclone rated now. A lot of really nice new shopping centres, flashy areas, beautiful houses. The Greek family, the Paspolis, of course, have a, a huge mansion down there in the sort of all clues of Darwin. Any tour you go on tends to drive past the house and sort of show you where it Doesn't is. It? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is um, that mining money, you reckon? Or that no, it's pearl money. Pearly money, yeah. Oh, for, pearly. Yeah, but, yeah, but Darwin generally? Real estate, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, uh, they've got huge natural gas um, uh, wharves there and uh, they ship out just container, ship after container with these, you've seen these uh, ships, they've got these big bubbles on the decks. Yeah. Um, just it's just a really really prosperous sort of thing that they're doing and a huge US military presence huge. oh really yeah yeah um, a lot of servicemen and women in the town um, they've got a base where Howard Springs we drove past Howard Springs and saw where that is and there's a huge army US army base effectively next to Howard Springs and growing bigger all the time do they still bring in their own cars I remember in Pine Gap and all the army bases, the Americans used to bring in their own cars. Is that still the case up in Darwin? Do you see any Yank tanks up there? No, I didn't see any of those. Um, maybe they're just driving around the, the base. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but Darwin's a go-to city, beautiful marina, beautiful wharf, a lot of great Greek restaurants down there. You'd be happy to hear, uh, guys. Um, yeah, great, great seafood restaurants. Well, Qantas wants to reroute their Sydney-London flights via Darwin because at the moment What's they've got it? the... The, the, the non-stop flight from Perth to London. Wants but they're trying to get that Dreamliner out of Darwin. It's coming out of Darwin. Yeah. Yeah, which will be so, interesting, which, which will bring a lot of money into Darwin. Yeah, it'd be a good uh, stopover. Yeah. Well, Perth's not going to let us into their, into their state, are they? No. Yeah, they want to be oh. in their own country, mate. Let them go. They just don't have the, the money to sustain that size of that. Huge. I, I just I just reminded myself of the great uh, one of the best restaurants we went to called Yachts Y O T S. Yachts Street Taverna in Darwin. Yeah. <laughs> really fun. Really good names. Are you allowed to smash the plates? Or you got to pay for them. Oh, we accidentally dropped a few. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Do's and don'ts. Is there anything that if you were to do the trip again, Andrew? Is there anything that you thought, oh, shouldn't have done that, or? Don't say you do it in a Land Cruiser. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Buy a Land Cruiser. I wouldn't do that. Definitely don't be aggressive or uh, or a really sort of nasty character on the road because everyone bumps I'm into out. I can't else. go. <laughs> That's I'm out. No way. Prepare. Definitely prepare before you go. Book all your tours, all your accommodation. Look at where your fuel stops are and be extremely patient and just take your time and just enjoy the experience and don't stress about being late or, you know, in a queue to fuel up, etc. And 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 just take in what a beautiful country we have. It's just incredible. It's incredible. As far as uh, do's or don'ts or do's or both, 
I think um, don't overpack. Um, and definitely, we, you know, everyone tells us and we did the research, you can't go to these places in the middle of summer. We went in the middle of winter. Yeah. Best weather, absolute beautiful weather. Um, sun, um, you know, 27, 28 max, um, you know, 18, 19 minimums. Beautiful weather all the way up Queensland, across the top end, uh, Darwin, Alice, etc. Fantastic weather. I can see now that some of these places are doing 37, 38 degree. I don't think you could walk around uh, the rock in that sort of climate, um, that sort of temperature. So, yeah, definitely a winter experience. And just just pack pack accordingly. Well, Pete, what are you packing, mate? You're just going to pack a pair of undies for our trip or <laughs> yeah. T-shirt and shorts? Is speedos. It? Two. Just some that, speedos? That, so how did the defender end up? How many kilometres did you put on it? Uh, there's about, we left uh, with about uh, three. We've got 20 on it now. 20. Hmm. Oh, that's a good trip. Yeah. What about, mm-hmm. um, did you take a satellite phone or is there coverage now? No, what's, man, what's there's the coverage phone? on the phones, isn't is there? Is there coverage everywhere? A couple of areas when you're sort of on the dirt track where you probably need a satellite phone. We didn't have one, but yeah. 85, 90% of the journey is all good with Telstra. I don't know what the other services yeah. might be like, but Telstra, no dramas. Yeah, but when you're going sort of through these dirt tracks between towns, yeah, there's no coverage there. Yeah, that's um, interesting. Take, take plenty of water, have plenty of spare water in the car. Um, Did you rig the car up at all? Like, no. Oh, see, not I at all. For the, I'm waiting for the stories. I, I put, you know, chilled water tanks in, hot water system, <laughs> and that, and that. No, you carried really water you? and everything, though. Yeah, you had plenty of water. Spare fuel? No, I thought about a jerry can, but then I thought I don't want to carry it in the car. Didn't want to put sort of racks to carry it outside. Oh, she didn't even go with racks? No. Oh, mate, I would have done the racks on the roof, the side. Yeah, but you've got a drone to carry, Ross. (laughs) I've got a new bag for my drone, Pete. It's big, bright and yellow. The racing drone. Yeah, my drone. I upgraded my drone the other day. It's nice. Any car games? How'd you go with with, uh, Spiro in the car? Oh, look, she was silences. Yeah, and look, uh, guys, uh, if you want to go on a trip like that and share the driving on occasions with your missus, mm-hmm. get them to do a back-to-back test, land cruiser, patrol, and then go defender. And I guarantee you they're going to say the defender is like driving a little four-cylinder around. It's light on the steer and super predictable. The land cruiser feels like you're driving a tank. Oh, they're, they're massive. So you got your partner, you went, before you bought the Defender, did you test drive other four-wheel drives together? Yep. Never thought of that. Just just kept going back to the Defender. I thought this it's just so easy to drive. Yeah. It felt narrow. It felt smaller than what it actually was. It didn't feel like a big car when you're behind the wheel. Because it's a very long car. Yep. And the back doors are massive in, when we drove the Defender. But when you're driving it, it doesn't feel like it. It's not right. heavy. And, um, and, and Ross, you know, in relation to the racks and that, we dropped the back seats on the Defender down, and mate, we had room room for. Yeah, There's only two. We of had them. heaps of room. Yeah, there's a lot. I've got a lot of kids in the car. No, but so I would have just done kids. the fuel tanks on the side, even if they were empty. That would have looked cool. Maybe a spare tire on the roof. Maybe two spare tires on the roof. Like oh. it'd be like the Griswolds, Ross. Yeah, I love it, mate. You see me when I go on holidays. I've got the roof the... box on. I got the skis on the side. What have we got? Ski. Yeah, it's a holiday. No doubt. Where are you going? Borrow no, no, you get the skis on. They look cool. 22 inch wheels to sort of really be a heavy off roader. <laughs> nailed it. Nailed it. No, my, my car doesn't go off road. What are you I'm the only guy that's lowered an SUV. Did you consider taking an HSV GDSR across? Uh, I'd road train it over and drive it somewhere, but uh, standard. No. 
the roads aren't meant for that, you know. Um, <laughs> be nice. How's not biting? He's not awake. He's not awake. That's amazing. He hasn't fallen off his chair like last time. But... Hey, I was. Let's. I'm just going to divert for a split second. I got a message from someone this morning. A, a very, very proud Greek sends me a message about the ultra car that's being built. Have you heard? Which ultra car? Mate, Greece is building its first ultra car. Oh, I can't remember. Well, we've got to introduce the Greek new car segment. Our new Greece correspondent, Andrew, uh, Ross Galetis. Last news was a Tesla sold no vehicles in a month in Greece. A month, June. So, so now they're building a what? Okay. The most ultimate car ever made in Greece from conception to design to manufacture. Spiros Panopoulos. Mate, we've got to get the founder. We've got to get this founder, Spiros Panopoulos. How big is that badge going to be? Hopefully I'm saying his name correctly, but I want him on our show. Hey, they've just opened the books, says here, for what he describes as the first ultra car on the planet. So they secured their first order for 2022. Look at How that. much was the so deposit, got, Ross? Wait for it. Wait for the price. Ready for the price? Yeah. One million drachmas. The car's aptly named Chaos. It's going to be street legal, and it's going to be priced at a measly 5.5 million euro. It's the price of two Bugattis. For the base model. <laughs> Ready for it? And for the 2,000 horsepower variant, $14.4 million. Euros or dollars? Oh, sorry. 12.4 euros. 12.4 million what? euros. Yeah, how much was the deposit, Ross? Danny, they, 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 they wanted 5%. And do you have to take it back to Greece to service, you think? Yeah, yeah. No, there's no dealership here. So they reckon, so he reckons the ultra car will attempt to set the new lap record for the fastest production car at Nuremberg, a title that's currently held by the, G, uh, the AMG GT Black Series, which we know. Nuremberg. And, no, no, no. Nuremberg. Nuremberg. Nuremberg is where they had the trials for the Nazis. Nah, you don't need nah. tourists to go to the wrong town. No, nah, that's okay. No, nah, that's right. And uh, where are we? I thought they'd do a time trial around the uh, Parthenon or somewhere. That'd be great. Well, they were trying, but the, the roads were shit. <laughs> Get the labyrinth. <laughs> no, 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 guys. I haven't got to the best bit yet. Right? We know what Greece is like with their technology. You know, they they make phones and they build all this kind of shit. There are no buttons to push in the cockpit. <laughs> the driver will simply use virtual reality glasses to activate functions in the car, which include a 5G augmented platform. How come I haven't read this in latest Wheels magazine? Huh? It's not about speed and acceleration for this car. It's cutting edge technology, guys. Cutting edge. So he's hey, Ross, the local service to be out the back of Victoria Euros. Yeah. It sounds sounds like an exclusive, Ross. I've not read this anywhere. Mate, he was a computer geek. He was in the Greek Air Force, this guy. He had a Golf GDI. Say no more. Oh, well, there you go. So, so his comments were, I was into computers starting from low-level programming. My father, who was in the Greek Air Force, had a Golf GTI. Sorry, his father did, which did not have an onboard (laughs) computer, so I made my own. (laughs) Greece is... Greece is not a country with a heritage car manufacturer. They must also give you a big worry bead over the whole dashboard and one of those evil eyes. Oh my god! Front and back, mate. This guy, man, he's mate. What's the, what do you think his website? He's never coming on the show. We've just paid the shit out of him. Um, <laughs> it's, we'll get him on. We'll get him The on. car's called the Chaos, right? What do you think yeah. the website would be called? Chaos.gr? No, mate. The website is 
www.spiropanopolis.com. It's his name. Well, we'll look him up. I reckon we should send him an email. Let's get him on the show. It better be a wide car because that's a big fucking badge on the bonnet, Panopolis. There's nothing on his website. It says coming it's soon. It's like Ferrari. Chaos to order. You can order it. Oh he's God. aiming high though. He's going straight to the top. Mate, it's got all the specs here. 11,000 red line. Mate, this thing's got brakes on it, ceramic discs, suspension. Well, on. I think he's going to suffer from second album syndrome if this car takes off. Oh, my God. Stop for there. a second. The wheels. I'm, just, I'm not going to go through all the specs, but... They're triangular? Just, no, 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 no. 22 by 13 rear wheels. Titanium 3D printed. The wheels are 3D printed. <laughs> So he's not going for the mass market. He's going for the bespoke orders, I think. Custom carbon fiber body parts and Kevlar, 3D printed as well. And DR, I don't know. I don't Read know, out the website so our listeners can go and then we'll, we'll reach out to him. Panopolis, S-P-Y-R-O-S-P-A-N-O-P-O-U-L-O-S.com. No dot .gr. No, no, no. This is the wow. international... Of... We're going to get him on the show in the future. Mate, we've got to get him on the show. Yeah, someone sent that to me this morning, and I was like, wow, when's the next podcast? I can tell everyone about my – I've got news from Europe. I'm like the so, roving reporter so this, from Europe. So this Greek correspondent gig of yours is taking off. Mate, I am killing it. I'm killing it. <laughs> so, um, And then another bit of another bit of thing from Greece, the uh, – the what's it called? The rally's on again, the Acropolis rally. Acropolis rally. It's back on. It was off for last year, and they've put it – it's back on this year, which will be mad. Has anyone been to that? Has anybody been or seen or watched it? Because I tried to do a bit of research, not much online, just like that Spiros Panopoulos car. One of my cousins tells me he raced in the rally many years ago. He was the main dealer in Petrus of Toyota, and he raced a Celica there, Andrew Smiths. Oh, it would have been like a GT4, the old school GT4. Or probably the 78 model. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so... uh... Oh, that's crazy. Greece has got some interesting cars. I'm surprised Greece, I mean... Greece don't make their own car, obviously. You know, they make not... trucks and buses. There was a did they? What was the brand? Saracacus. Oh, the buses. Saracacus. Yeah, something like that. I think what they're really good at is um, those removable rego plates. I think they've got a monopoly on that because you know you just park anywhere, <laughs> just take the plates off, put them in the boot. That way, the cop. Yeah, it's for security. You take your plates off, put them with you to go to, go for Mate, a coffee. That, five hours later, there was a new speed camera. I think I've told this story many, many, many episodes ago. But one year we were in Crete, and there was this. There was talk of everyone was saying, "There's a new speed camera. Watch out. Be careful." Anyway, so we slowed down for the new speed camera in, coming into town. We didn't go to town. The main sort of bit from crew we stayed sort of in a remote part we didn't go to the main bit that often but when we did to pick someone up from the airport or what anyway first night on there i'm like guys the locals did you hear about the speed camera they go oh don't worry about the speed camera it doesn't work it doesn't work fantastic man i'm flying so the next four weeks five weeks i'm in green i'm smashing it past this speed camera everyone's like is this guy crazy i'm like no no the locals told me it doesn't work until the hire car company <laughs> sent me all the freaking tickets. And, and there was shit like, no, they're like 12 euro or 13 euro a ticket. <laughs> I, I, paid them, I paid them all in one hit. Um, 